Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. During my sophomore year of Bible college, I entered a small little Bible college in Indiana. And I like to call this place Bible Boot Camp. Some of y'all have been to military boot camp before. Well, I went to the spiritual Bible boot camp up in Crown Point, Indiana. I remember it very, very clearly. It was a year that God began to change my life and began to speak to me, and I learned a whole lot while I was there. I learned how to deal with authority. I learned a lot, and time in this sermon is not going to be devoted to that, but I remember on Saturdays, the weekends was very interesting. You see, the classroom in this little uh, independent Bible college was very different than some of the other colleges I went to because the the classroom was not very in-depth in the study of God's Word. But on the weekends, the practical application of God's Word was extremely prevalent, and I learned a lot from it. You see, on Saturday mornings, we would have bus meetings at 8 a.m., and we would get together. If I wanted to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Saturdays, I had to get up and go to breakfast because I had to get my lunch and pack it myself and then, then go to the bus meetings. We would have bus meetings for, for all the way up to about 10 a.m., and then we would drive up about an hour away to Chicago, Illinois, and we would go door knocking. We would go house-to-house visiting on all sorts of areas, but I was on three bus routes while I was there, and my first Saturday was very interesting. We were on the north side of Chicago, and... I remember we gathered together off of Lakeshore Drive at a little plaza there, and we went soul winning, went out witnessing, evangelizing for about five hours. And I thought to myself, man, this is a full day of soul winning. And I got to this meeting, and they said, well, I hope you enjoyed our light day of evangelizing today. I said to myself, a light day, huh? God bless us all, man. May God be with us. Uh, I want to know what a hard day is of soul winning. And so I began to, to learn that on each Saturdays when I would go on a regular basis, I didn't have a car, and God's, sovereign, uh, God's sovereignty was prevalent there because if I would have had a car, I probably would have dropped out of this Bible college and drove back home. Uh, but anyways, I, I went through some struggles there in my own personal life, but also God dealt with me in a great way. And I remember uh, going out uh, one Saturday morning and thinking to myself, oh, man, it is dumping rain. We're finally going to get a break. Sure enough, didn't have a break. And then it was pouring down snow, like a foot or two foot of snow outside. I said, man, we're finally going to get a break. I mean, it's snowing in Virginia. Everything shuts down for a flurry. Uh, And for for a blizzard, I mean, the whole town is going to shut down for two weeks. Not up there. We went and we continued going and going. And the last bus route I was on was in my second semester there, the spring semester. We began to work with a Nepalese uh, family. And you know, they put a lot of pressure on us to, to, to fill up a bus. And so I began to figure out different ways of, you know, how to evangelize, but also to meet that pressure that was put upon us college students. And I asked these Nepalese family, I said, well, hey, do you know of any other Nepalese family in the area that we could go and talk to and invite to church? And sooner or later, we went from just two little Nepalese families to an entire bus of Nepalese families. And we would bring them to church and, and, uh, and then we started a Sunday school class, and honestly, each Sunday school class, I would find the one who spoke the best English, and I would teach, and they would interpret. And I had to start all the way in Genesis because they did not understand the Bible. I remember witnessing to some of them on one time in one of their apartments, and I said, hey, the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. 
and one of these Nepalese young men said to me, well, what you believe in America is true to you, but what we believe in Nepal is true to us. And the concept of truth is relative hit me that Saturday in that apartment complex. I share that to say this, that our world has been enamored by relativism concerning truth, but there is one truth in this world, and that truth is the Bible that I am holding and that you have in your hands. Today, I want to label my sermon title with these four words, and if you walk away with anything, I want you to walk away with this key central thought, God's word is true. You think you could say that with me on three? One, two, three. God's word is true. Say it again, please. God's word is true. Now, as we come to the book of First Thessalonians, keep in mind that we are adventuring down these uh, segments and these letters, these, these different passages, and we have been uh, on the subject of preparing for Christ's return. And within this overlining subject of First Thessalonians, I want you to understand this. Preparing for Christ's return begins by understanding God's word is true. So you know why I believe that Jesus is coming again? Because the Bible says so. The reason why I believe that the rapture is going to take place is because the Bible says so. The reason why I believe there's going to be an earthly millennial reign of Jesus Christ on this earth is because the Bible says so, my dear friends. And today, if you walk away with anything, I want you to walk away with that thought that God's word is true. If you're writing anything down or taking mental notes, I want you to take note of this also. The Bible is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We go into a court of law and we're asked to promise, you know, that we are going to tell the whole truth and the truth and nothing but the truth. But we are fallible and we are prone to error. Times in the courtroom, people give falsified information. But as I have studied the word of God from Genesis all the way to Revelation, I have discovered that this book is not a book full of falsified information. It is a book full of verified facts straight from the throne room of God called heaven. And today you can rest assured that the book you're holding in your hand is the truth of God and his word. Today I want to share with you perhaps maybe some familiar thoughts from this passage. Just, I want to just be a blessing and a reminder and encouragement to each of us. As I've been meditating in these verses, verses 13 through 16, I wrote down three thoughts that I want to relay to you. Thought number one is from verse 13. I wrote down this. Receive God's word because it is true. As we keep this entire letter in context, I want to go back to Acts chapter 17 to discover my second of three points. Number two, I want to share with you, research God's word because it is true. And then as I read verses 14 through 16 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I wrote down thirdly, respond to God's word because it is true. Since God's word is true, we have to do certain things about it. And the first step in discovering God's word is true is by receiving it. Thought number one is from verse number 13. It's this. Receive God's word because it is true. Receive God's word because it is true. Today, the book that I have in my hands is not the Chronicles of Narnia. All right? The book that I have in my hands is not the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The book that I hold in my hands is not the Hobbit trilogy you're going to read at Barnes & Noble. This book 
is the inspired, inerrant, infallible, preserved word of the living God. And my dear friends, the Bible tells us here that these believers in Thessalonica received it in that fashion. Notice what it says in verse number 13. It says, for this cause, remember, keep in mind everything that the Apostle Paul is saying thus far. He's writing these believers, and we discussed chapter number one. We discussed the first part of chapter number two. Uh, and then now, as we look into this verse, uh, previously we, we looked at the thought, verses one through 12, you cannot sow God's word in vain. In chapter number one, we, we discovered that the gospel has power. And today, we're just simply discovering that God's word is true. And in verse 13, the Apostle Paul adventures to write and further and he says for this cause also thank we God without ceasing gratitude determines altitude I believe that the more we are full of gratitude our faith will soar in altitude and here the Bible reveals just this it says for this cause also thank we God without ceasing why is he thanking God without ceasing well he begins to share with us because when ye receive the word of God which he heard of us he received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Receive God's word because it is true. There was a day in my life when I had the hid knowledge of the word of God. I had the hid knowledge that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And he did this on day one, and he did that on day two, etc., all the way down to day seven when he rested. I had the hid knowledge that God set up Abraham and called him out of one land, and he brought him to another, and how he would be the father of, of a great nation called the people of Israel. I, I remember had the hid knowledge of Daniel and the lion's den, the hid knowledge of Elijah and Elisha, the hid knowledge of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezra, and Nehemiah and Esther. I remember all these things from a mental standpoint of hearing it over and over again on Sundays and Wednesdays at the church I grew up in, but it wasn't until I was 16 years of age when I actually received God's word as it is in truth. And it's when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Well, you need to do so before it's eternally too late. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And we go to heaven by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You don't get to heaven by getting baptized. You know, as Brother Gene Arnold used to say, you get baptized so many times that the tadpoles know your social security number. It's not going to help you. <laughs> What's going to help you? And your standing with God is the atonement of Jesus Christ covering your sins. Receive God's word because it's truth. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you've heard the gospel message, how Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again. You've heard it over and over and over again, but you've never received it. There's a difference in head knowledge and heart knowledge, my dear friends. That's why the Apostle Paul said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, he said you shall be saved. Salvation is by grace through faith. The Apostle Paul wrote, in Ephesians chapter 2. These believers in Thessalonica, they heard that message and they received it. I wonder, have you received that message in your own heart today? The Bible is 
the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. This morning, the thought is simply this. God's word is true. As I studied verse number 13, I wrote down, first of all, receive God's word because it is true. But now I want to share with you, secondly, research God's word because it is true. Research God's word because it is true. Let's keep this entire book in mind, the entire context. Remember, in order to properly understand the book of 1 Thessalonians, you have to understand what took place when the Apostle Paul went there and why he's writing it now. If you got your Bibles, I want you to jump back to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 17. I really want you to turn there with me, if at all possible. Acts chapter 1, I want to look at verses 1 through 4. As we understand this thought, research God's word because it is true. Research God's word because it is true. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 4. We find the Apostle Paul is on a second missionary journey. And you remember, his first missionary journey ended with Paul and Barnabas. They were going out evangelizing, and a dissension went on between Paul and Barnabas, so severe that they parted ways, and he didn't join together again. And Paul elected Silas, or Silvanus. And they began to go on a missionary journey. And they were in Philippi in Acts chapter 16, as we looked at last week. But now, as you get to Acts chapter 17, you find that they left Philippi, and they entered to two cities in verse number 1, and then they enter into Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Remember, and the, when Jesus said, to the Jew first and then to the Greek, God, when he was on this earth in human form, he commissioned those disciples to go to the lost sheep of Israel and preach to them first. And then he commissioned the, the early church to go out into the highways and hedges and compel the Gentiles to accept Christ as Savior. And they first went to the synagogue. It was very strategic because the Apostle Paul had the letters that he needed. In other words, he had the degrees, he had the qualifications that he needed to stand in a synagogue and deliver a message. So he went into the synagogue, they would, they would listen to his word because he was educated in that fashion. And in verse number 2 of Acts 17, the Bible says that Paul, as his manner was, he went in unto them, into the synagogue, and he was there for three Sabbath days. So remember, as I shared before, commentators believe that the Apostle Paul and Silas were in this town for as little as 21 days, all the way up to six months. I believe he was there for probably about a month, give or take, but at least 21 days because he was there for three Sabbath days, three Saturdays, opening up God's word and reasoning with them from the scriptures, alleging and opening them up that Christ must needs have suffered and be risen from the dead. And the one who just died, his name was Jesus and he rose from the grave. That is the one these verses are talking about. Now, if you were here a couple Sundays ago in Sunday school when I was teaching, when Brother Joe was absent, I shared with you a little bit more detail on my speculation as I'm reading into this passage. I begin to think to myself, well, what in the world were the passages that the Apostle Paul resorted to in this time when he was preaching to these Jewish people in the synagogue? Well, perhaps he went to Psalm 22, that great description of Jesus on the cross. Perhaps he went to Isaiah 55 as he opened up the scrolls and resorted to the time when it is a clear uh, description of Jesus being crucified on Calvary, or perhaps he went into Psalm 16 when the Bible clearly reveals that the Messiah would be buried and died, but he would raise from the grave again. Whatever the passage of Scripture were, we don't know. But we know that the Apostle Paul taught on those subjects. He taught that this man, this Messiah, 
had to suffer on the cross. He had to, his body had to be butchered. His body had to be beaten. His body had to be broken so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. And then he talked about how his blood was shed so it could cover all sin. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, is able to cleanse us from every spot of sin. It goes on to say that how we would rise from the grave. I am a Christian because of Christ's resurrection. Because Jesus rose from the grave, I believe every single word of the New Testament and the Old Testament. And when here, the, the Apostle Paul is just telling these believers, hey, this Messiah that's referred to in the Old Testament is Jesus Christ. And then we find these individuals, some of them received this word, they accepted it with open arms. And the Bible says in verse 4, they believed, some of them believed, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. So here's what Paul did. He went in and opened up the word of God, and he shared with them, here's what the Bible says about the Messiah. And now I want you to know that the Messiah that's being referred to in the Old Testament is Jesus Christ. And they began to research it. They began to study it. You know, researching God's word is more than just receiving your daily devotional verse from the Bible app. You know, researching God's word means that you open it up and you begin to dig and you dig and you dig. And that's what's missing in the lives of Christians today is getting into God's word and digging deep. We I'm all about the, uh, you know, one verse a day will keep the devil away. I'm all about that. But if you want a shallow Christian life then just meditate a little bit of time in the Word of God. But if you want a deep Christian life that is rooted and anchored well beneath the surface, go a little bit further. Begin to dive deep into God's Word. And that's what these people did. They researched the Word of God, and they found out that Paul was right. And so maybe you're here today, and you've never read the New Testament. Well, I would encourage you to read the New Testament because God has given us his word and the Old Testament. Read them both. Read them daily. Read it passionately. Read it faithfully. And read it expecting God to minister to your soul. Receive God's word because it's true, but then research God's word because it's true. It's missing. You know, we, we research all sorts of stuff. When you go off and you go to college, you, 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 get, you begin to learn the art of research. How to, and really all research is these days, you know, you don't, thank, thank God we don't have to go to the Washington, D.C. and go to the Library of Congress to, to get some of the books. All we have to do is go to Google and type in a phrase. And we get all these websites and all these articles and all these books that we can research our own. You see, years ago, the only way to, to really research was to go off and study at a university. And now it can be very helpful to go off to a university and study, and I would recommend it. But you can also, you have the worldwide knowledge on your, at your fingertips on the internet. And today, I just encourage you to research God's word. Now, I was talking with Pastor English the other day as I was visiting with him. 
And he said, you know, the, the World Wide Web, the Internet is great and it can be used for good, but the majority of the content of God's Word on the Internet is falsified information. So when you do research God's Word and you go to some of these sources, please understand who you're listening to. There's a many of preachers on YouTube and on TV and online that are not worth a penny Okay, they are teaching false doctrine. And the only way to understand they're teaching false doctrine is to open up God's word yourself and study it. You don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Research God's word because it's true. This is the greatest book that was ever written. You see, a lot of people have researched it. A lot of people have studied it. But then there's a lot of people who've rejected it. This book has been tested by scholarship, but it remains true. This book has been ridiculed with by the world, but it remains the unadulterated word of the living God. This book has been tampered with by the demonic powers of the underworld, but it remains the true word from God in heaven. And we hold it in our hands. The Bible is the greatest book that has ever been written. And so I encourage you, I admonish you to take the time to research it and to study it. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved on the God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible says, blesses the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The Bible says thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. God's word is true. So let's live like it is in our own personal lives. I want to share with you, if you turn back with me to 1 Thessalonians, but hold your place there in Acts chapter 17 because I want to come back there in just a few moments. But so far in verse number 13 of Acts, uh, excuse me, of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, We've discovered receive God's word because it is true. As we look back to the context of the history of this book, we've discovered research God's word because it's just true. But now I want to share with you from verses 14 through 16 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 a third thought. Respond to God's word because it is true. Respond to God's word because it is true. Look at verse 14 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, for ye, brethren, speaking of the brothers and sisters who have come to know Christ as Savior in Thessalonica. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. This word followers, as we've looked at it earlier in chapter 1, it literally means to, be an, to imitate or to be an imitator. The greatest person that we could imitate is Jesus Christ. There's a lot of great preachers, a lot of great servants, men and women over the years that have been used by God and we can learn from them and we could practice some of the things that they practice. But, but our greatest example is not an ordinary man, but an extraordinary man named Jesus Christ who was also God in the flesh. Imitate him. These people became, they were once lost, but now they're found as John Newton said in Amazing Grace. For ye also have suffered, and these believers, that because they came to know Christ as Savior, they, they did suffer persecution. And may I say this just with compassion, but also with courage. Persecution is a promise for every Christian. 
at some point in your life, you are going to be persecuted for your faith, whether it is minute or whether it's major, whether it's minor or whether it is severe. At some point, you are going to be persecuted like these people were then. So be prepared. It said they were suffered from people in their own country. Imagine somebody in the, in the United States of America persecuting you because of your faith. Or perhaps even here in Roanoke, Virginia, somebody ridiculing you, somebody scoffing you, mocking you, making fun of you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, it could happen, and it probably has happened, and if it hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen. It says, even as they of the Jews. Verse 15, here's some, some challenging words, sobering words. Speaking of these Jewish people, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. I just want to pause right here. When I got saved, I was at church camp. It was July 2005 at Emory Henry College at a church camp, a Southern Baptist church camp called Super Week. And I remember the message that Jeremy Kingsley preached that day. It was a Thursday evening. He preached a message about choosing between Barabbas or Jesus. And if you know my testimony, you know the story. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God began to convict me. Because the whole premise of his sermon was this, that if today you choose Barabbas, then you are making the same declaration that the Jewish people did then, and they were putting him on the cross. But if you choose choose Jesus, then you are going to receive his grace and mercy, and all of your sins can be pardoned. And that day, listen, the Holy Spirit of God came upon me like I've never received that conviction before. And, and if, you, if you know what I'm talking about, then you know what's going on in my life then. And then I didn't even have, I didn't have the urgency to, to walk down the aisle. I just knelt down at my seat all the way up in the back of the auditorium. And I said, God, I'm tired of playing church. Come into my life and save me. And God did that day. And as I think about verse 15... I think about how Jesus laid down his life willingly. That sure, in a sense, from a true historical perspective, it was the Jewish people that pushed him to Pilate, which pushed him to the cross. But Jesus laid his life down willingly for you and for me so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. And then the Jewish people, not only did they kill Jesus, but they also killed the prophets that came before him. And the Bible says that they are also persecuting the the Gentiles and Jewish people who are sharing God's word with them. And it says they please not God. May I say this? Whether you're Jew or Gentile, if you do not accept Jesus Christ as Savior and receive the free gift of eternal life, then you will spend eternity in a devil's hell. The Bible says in verse 16 that these people forbade, forbidden. They command them not to speak about Jesus And verse 16 says, For the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Respond to God's word because it's true. Remember, back in Acts chapter 17, in verses 5 through 9, you can turn there if you want to, or you can just listen. But the Jewish people, some of them believed the gospel, they received Christ's Savior, their lives were changed, but then some of them, they didn't respond the same manner. They rejected the message, and they caused an uproar in the city. And they assaulted the house of Jason where the church in Thessalonica was started. And they brought these people before the leaders, 
saying that they are teaching contrary to the laws of Caesar about another king. Surely, Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. He is the first and the last. He is truth. He is the way. He is the life. He's the resurrection. He is the doorway to heaven. And here we find that they were not trying to say that this is going to be an earthly king, although he will establish his earthly kingdom, that this is a heavenly king named Jesus. And so they twisted and perverted their words and said that they trouble our city and they are turning the world upside down. Wouldn't it be great if here in Roanoke, Virginia, we had some some people at Clearbrook Baptist Church who would just take it upon themselves with the boldness of God in their lives and say, hey, we're going to turn our city upside down for the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that they took Paul and Silas and they pushed them out of the city by night. Speaking of Jason, the believers, and they came to, they came to Berea and they began to share God's word in the, the city of Berea and the synagogue and they received the word of God. They researched it as we've studied before. But, but then the Jewish people in Thessalonica hear about it and they come over to Berea and you know what they do? They cause Berea to get in an uproar and the same thing goes on. Respond to God's word because it's true. The gospel is an offense to those who choose not to believe it. And God's wrath will be upon all those who reject this message. The Bible says in Revelation that God is going to open up the book of life. And if your name is written in that book, all those who've received Christ as Savior, then you'll spend eternity in heaven. But if your name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible says that they will be cast into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is not a place where the heathen will party for all eternity. It's a place of eternal torment where people will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I say this with as, as much compassion as I can. that you do not want to spend eternity in hell. And you do not want your loved ones or your friends to spend eternity there as well. You and I have a choice today. The choice is, will we receive God's word or will we reject God's word? God's word is truth. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, 
please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.